Ian Trache for Discussion of Truth coming at you every Wednesday at the 5 o'clock hour. We are now at the 6 o'clock hour p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Preparing to receive J.P. Lindstrath on to program here momentarily. Let me just run by um, something recent that I have discovered. We're going to be talking about the coronavirus, of course, with J.P. Uh, Chuck Moskowitz uh, was with Chuck earlier uh, today at the 4, 4 p.m. hour. The last, well, for about a month now, I've been holding three-hour uh, programs here on Discussion of Truth, uh, receiving various guests, Zach Voorhees, Google Whistleblower, uh, Roland Palin, uh, co-author with Anastasia Nesvetilovia, The Sabotage of the Global Banking System. That's not the exact title, but that's what I, uh, that's the gist of it. The, the Sabotage is, is the book that they that they wrote. Um, we've had uh, W. Gifford-Jones on, 96-year-old Canadian, uh, Harvard-educated medical doctor, swears by vitamin C. Okay, taken intravenously. If you now have the coronavirus, take vitamin C intravenously. Um, that was his recommendation. Again, he's 96 years old, uh, and um, anyway, the number of, including David Knight. David Knight, uh, who has his own show uh, on Infowars, was with the program just last week. Um, we were scheduled to have uh, Gerald Posner on the program. Um, Pharma, greed, lies, and the poisoning of America. Uh, is his current book, Simon Schuster. I've got it right here in front of me, right on the desk. We're going to have to reschedule him because I'm sure his schedule is completely chaotic due to uh, the current coronavirus outbreak. So uh, what I want to get into just recently, and we're going to bring JP on, is uh, the following quote. Uh, go to iantrotier.com, I-N-T-R-O-T-T-I-R.com. Go to the articles tab. In the articles tab, you'll find various literature th written throughout recent history. Um, all the publication is free, accessibly to you through the internet. That would be your search browser, Google, whatever it may be, uh, Yahoo. Um, and uh, look at the work of Anthony Sutton. Look at some of this other work that's interesting out there. What I've done recently is made an addition to uh, that list, and that would be one uh, Dr. Peter Beter, B-E-T-E-R, and he was appointed um, by JFK to be a, I believe, the director uh, general or counselor, um, uh, speaking of director general, Yoram um, uh, Lass, uh, the former director general of the health ministry of Israel, is a, another recent guest on the program uh, during the three hour sessions I've been doing for the coronavirus. Okay. So, um, Peter Beter, no longer living, um, was, uh, the, uh, uh, counselor for, um, import export bank of the United States. He talks about the gold in Fort Knox. Uh, so does Chuck Moskowitz, who was on his program earlier at Boston. Um, and he made a series of audio tapes that have been, uh, formatted for, um, for view, uh, viewing, uh, literary format, and a link to that is now up on my website. Um, again, cross-check all the information. Always do your due diligence. Anything I say, anything you read, do your due diligence, but what you should be grasping if this is not your first time listening to me, hopefully it's not. If it is, great. Hopefully this message resonates with you. American media is totally corrupt and brainwashed or it's brainwashing you. And that is the objective. It's manipulated by the CFR, Council on Foreign Relations, and that is majorly, majorly, the majority of it is run and ruled by the Rockefeller Foundation. Okay? Um, yeah, the Rockefellers are great Americans, blah, 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 Okay? They manipulate the American way of life. Don't let them manipulate your constitution, as they have been doing for well over 100 years now. Okay, so Peter Beecher quotes, and I'm going to read this quickly, and then I'm gonna, we're going to bring JP on. 
Uh, JP is a former Fulbright scholar to Brazil, and his PhD is from Oxford. He teaches at a couple of different schools in South Florida. There's a weather modification grid system along our shores, says Peter Beter. Uh, by the way, he was a former top lawyer in D.C., so a pretty smart guy. There is a weather modification grid system along our shores, but it's not as described in the article, and it's not Russian. It's controlled by our own secret rulers. The grid system consists of three tremendous underwater cables laid along the continental shelf of our east, west, and gulf coasts. The west coast cables run from Cape Cook, C-O-O-K, on northwest Vancouver Island, down the west coast past Baja, California, to a point opposite Tuxpan, Mexico, T-U-X-P-A-N. The east coast cable runs from the tip of a peninsula at the northeast end of the Bay of Fundy, Nova Scotia, southward to a point near Jacksonville, Florida. The Gulf cable runs from a point northwest of Tampa near Buena Vista, Florida, westward to a point 77 miles due east of Corpus Christi, Texas. Each cable is powered by an underground nuclear power plant. These three underground nuclear power plants are located at Cape Cook, at the peninsula I described in Nova Scotia, in and near Buena Vista, Florida. Okay, it's a grid system. Again, it's a weather modification grid system controlled by your yours truly. That would not be the government, I argue, that represents you. It would be the central bank that operates the government that supposedly represents you because it doesn't because they don't represent your constitution uh all right that again is a quote from peter beter b-e-t-e-r he's a doctor by means of a juris doctorate as far as i know uh look him up again this is probably in the 1970s when he uh quoted that this is discussion of truth you're tuned in to uh the intrachiae and I'm going to thread in JP right now. Before I do, go to your web browser, type in Freedom Reserved, No More Lies, Barnes & Noble, buy the book. It's on pre-order right now, should be released, scheduled to be released next Thursday, April 23rd. Okay, thanks for tuning in, pass the message along to a friend, and here's JP. We hope. I hope. Sometimes available at Skype. Hello? JP. Hey, Ian. Welcome back to Discussions of Truth, sir. How are you? Great. How are you? Thanks for inviting me. Well, JP, it's uh, it's always an honor to have you on the program. You, you've been joining the program graciously, graciously now for, I think, about a year and a half. Is that right? Yeah, a couple of years now. I mean, uh, it's been great. I, I always uh, enjoy being on your show, and it's always a pleasure to talk to you. So, JP, I, I, as you know, I've been doing uh, the three-hour um, installments for now about a month just because of demand with the coronavirus. Uh, the first hour, I actually was joined by uh, Chuck Moskowitz, uh, who's had um, some of his writings found in the uh, Washington Times, Boston Globe and some other New England-based uh, publications. Uh, he's a great guy, and he actually happens to be one of uh, one of a, for, a former guest um, on the program. So I actually opened the first hour up with him. Uh, Pharma, which is a Simon Schuster publication by Gerald Posner, he's a former Wall Street attorney. Uh, Pharma, greed, right. lies, and the poisoning of America. Uh, he was scheduled for that five o'clock hour. Um, I took it myself to discuss various things. Uh, he's he's going to have to reschedule. What we've seen here with this coronavirus uh, pandemic is um, even uh, last week with Bandy Lee, uh, she wrote the dangerous case for Donald Trump, um, and she's a Yale psychiatrist. 
uh, even even she I, she's been a for, she's been on the program before and she was rescheduled for uh, last week. But um, people's schedules are being turned upside down. Are you are you finding that at all with with, with yourself, JP? Well, you know, I, I've been fortunate, uh, thank goodness, because I'm a teacher. So I, you know, more it's more or less like a, a state position, you know, that I, I have. But I teach online. And uh, so as far as I'm concerned, my as far as I've been very fortunate and I'm very grateful to have a paycheck and a job in that sense. But um, it, it is an adjustment for the students to, to, to do the online learning. I mean, I've been actually teaching online um, since 2004. So I've been, I guess, one of the first, pro I mean, the university where I was at before one of the first universities to do the online courses. So I'm kind of familiar with the format. But, I mean, having said that, uh, you know, a lot of people, I mean, this April 1st was, you know, rent payments and things like that and yeah. waiting on the government stimulus, which hasn't come yet. So, <laughs> Right. And uh, anyway, so, yeah, that's, that's something different. Well, it's good to hear uh, – from my angle as well, JP, um, my my world for the most part has not been uh, turned upside down. I've been fortunate in that I've um, continued to do, uh, been able to do the program uh, every Wednesday, um, and uh, I continue to do do what I do as well. So, um, as you know, what yeah, and as you know, I haven't revealed the location, but I have been. Um, broadcasting remotely uh for the past uh i was in canada uh, i am in the united states and i haven't revealed that location some people know but um oh, right. oh okay sure. yeah but uh um and i can i mean if you're interested i can tell you offline but um but anyway so yeah, so yeah, so sure. so my um my uh my world is is remained uh relatively calm um, but yeah, this is a, this is a real threat. And, um, I always in, in my angle of talking about and approaching it, I always uh, make a parallel to, because as you know, you've, uh, you know me well enough now to know that I do what I do because of the Zika virus that came, uh, into South Florida right. in 2016. Right. So right. I can't help but to uh, draw parallels to that. And, um, and my approach to understanding what that was all about. Um, so really, uh, you know, if, about four years later now, I'm looking at the coronavirus and I'm just, uh, I mean, there, you, you can look at it from so many different angles, but uh, so many of right. what would seem to be inalienable rights are completely, uh, you know, in my opinion, uh, are just squashed. It's like, you know, people are, going outside and they're told they can't go outside and they're being arrested. Um, you know, I mean, I understand yeah. that's for their yeah. own good, right. but to me, that's kind right. of like an extreme. They're not, you know, they're not, you know, they're, if they're not looting and causing a problem, you know, they want to catch the virus, let them catch the virus. I mean, that's kind of my kind of first thought on that, but. Well, well I mean, I mean, the, as far as that's concerned, like governments or more corrupt governments take advantage of it. Right. Yeah. As far as quarantining people and things like that, um, as far as there being a Patriot Act passed or something like that, right? That in the United States has not happened. But I mean, some of the things that I wrote on, and I'm not sure in our last program when I last talked, I talked about the effect yep. of racism against Asian people, um, or the effect on the possible like genocide and because of a disease from the coronavirus from Amerindians, which you wrote another article on that. And then of course the link of between poverty and the disease, which um, of course people like African-Americans and, and, and Hispanic Americans are much more affected just because of their socioeconomic yeah. status and lower economic incomes. And then of course the last thing that I wanted to bring up was Trump's defunding WHO. Right. Yeah, we're, what are your uh, thoughts on that, JP? We're, I mean, some of the stuff I think he's it's irresponsible. Yeah, yeah, I think it's irresponsible, Ian. And I, um, you know, you know, there. 
I don't. It, it's it, it may be that the W that the World Health Organization WHO uh, did not um, made some missteps at the beginning of the virus. Yeah, but that's just to be expected with any kind of catastrophe. And for him to defund it, I mean, if you look at if you you know look at the who funds the WHO. Uh, the United States are 400 million. The, the Gates Foundation about 225 million. It's just going to mean that either the European Union or I don't know somebody's going to have to step it up and and fund them. Um, I saw that. I mean, Lady Gaga had just raised like seven million dollars or something like that already for it. But I mean. I, I just think it's kind of irresponsible, especially that we're going through this pandemic now. But Trump wants to have a scapegoat, right? He doesn't want to be blamed for this. So he's finding, trying to find scapegoats and he's trying to get reelected. So that's right. Does, I mean, it's just irresponsible, Ian. That's the time of year. Does, does defunding, uh, if that's a proper use of the word, uh, the World Health Organization, uh, what good does that do? Is 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 she approaching it from? Well, I mean, it's four hundred million dollars. That's only going to go so far as if, if he's applying that to the stimulus. Um, I mean, what where lo- what logic does that have in regards to defunding that organization? I don't understand why he's done that. What do you think about that? Well, he's done he's done it because of the way that he did it because of the way that the World Health Organization right talked about China doing a good job with the virus, okay? And um, however, I think that if we, you know, take a step back and look at this, there were also missteps in the U.S., missteps from him. But he's not the only leader, Ian, um, that's made missteps with the virus. There's the, the... uh, Brazilian President Jair Bolsonaro, who's really denied the virus. Same thing with the uh, uh, the Mexican President Obrador. Yeah. And I mean, um, and also in Guatemala, like they're they're kind of you know making having life go on as normal. Um. And, uh, and that's a mistake. So Trump's not the only one uh, who's made missteps as far as the virus. Uh, however, because we're the most powerful country in the world, uh, you know, temporarily halting the funding for uh, the World Health Organization has huge repercussions for the world, not just for the United States. Now, the question really is, Ian, is what – what will the U.S. Congress do in relation to that order? Um, because, you know, it is the Congress who holds the purse strings at the end of the day. Right. We hope so. Uh, I mean, so uh, you've also, you've also um, gone into a little bit of, um, uh, based on, well, let's see, your, your Counterpunch article, uh COVID-19 and the uh, Amerindians, um, but also a recent article that you've uh, raised, raised attention is intelligence officials weigh possibility coronavirus escape from a Chinese lab. Um, I haven't had time to go through that, JP, but what I do know um, is Zero Hedge, and I think I spoke about this last time uh, you are on the program, Zero Hedge, uh, uh, which is a financial blog, to my understanding, I'd never heard of it. But what caught attention was that it had been banned by Twitter uh, for posting, again, this is one of the early uh, stages of the outbreak of the coronavirus. Um, it had posted uh, some research that it, that, that it had done on this same thing, that perhaps the coronavirus was uh, somehow possibly leaked purposefully out of this Wuhan laboratory. Um, I, I just thought it... A, a, a bit. I thought it was taken too far to to, to to ban them, and I don't know if that banning it 
stands as is still now, but they had seemingly banned them from from Twitter. Um, uh, that seems to be a violation of. Uh, uh, to me, it seems to be a violation of, uh, of, 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 well, speech, but, um, it, yeah, of course, on, uh, you know, on literary speech on a, a digital format. But, um, w- yeah, w- what, what are you looking into right now as far as the intelligence officials uh, weighing the possibility of coronavirus escape from Chinese lab? Okay, so the, the article that caught my eye, not only that MI6 and MI5 and Great Britain and the British Broadcasting Corporation News, BBC News, uh, came up. There was an article a couple of days ago saying that they have to reevaluate their relationship. Great Britain has to reevaluate uh, their relationship with China, but also this article in Yahoo News, which I looked up the journalist. She's a respectable journalist. She does journalism on national security issues, Jenna McLaughlin. And the article is called Intelligence Officials Way Possibility of Coronavirus Escape from a Chinese Lab. Now, you know, a conspiracy is not a conspiracy if it's true, Ian, right? Sure. So it's just too much of a coincidence that the there's a lab, a virology laboratory in China, which is in Wuhan, okay? And the possibility of... Um, the disease escaping from the lab is a real possibility that you, that intelligence people have to consider just because the virology lab is in Wuhan. Now, I mean, you can't be hypocritical in the sense that the United States also does virology testing as well as Russia and other countries. But the fact that this lab was working on coronavirus and bats, and um, one lady named Shi Zheng Li was one of the lead researchers at the lab who worked on this and published in well-known journals like, I don't want to misquote here, I think in Science and Nature, but I'm not sure. I mean, she's been, she published in well-known science journals, but I think that it's too much of a coincidence not to think that it's a possibility that it just, it wasn't simply, it didn't spontaneously happen, maybe, and allegedly, out of a wet market selling wild animals in, in Wuhan, China. And this is, what's your source on this, JP? You, you uh, made a connection to MI5 or MI6, you're saying? No, well, uh, the MI5, MI6 article is different. That was in BBC News. The article that I'm talking about is in Yahoo News, which is, you know, Yahoo uh, server, which is also people's emails. Uh, And uh, as I said, Jenna McLaughlin is a journalist. But also there's a a kind of a a non-mainstream. I think Yahoo News is pretty mainstream. And then there's the Epic Times had a video as well, which is non-mainstream news. But the fact that Yahoo News reported it from pretty verifiable sources suggests to me that at least people are considering that that theory, right? But we don't know because China's so close. And as you know, that China uh, kicked out um, uh, the Washington Post and New York Times. Um, Very close regime. And what people are saying is that, you know, look at the Chinese Communist Party. It's the Communist Party. It's not Chinese people. It's the Communist Party that the Chinese Communist Party that is responsible in many ways for this and other outbreaks, too. I mean, so there's no doubt that the U.S. is looking at that. Yeah, I mean, you're you're bringing up some uh, interesting uh, interesting things to think about. Let me let me throw in this at you, JP, and. Um, and, and I think it's I think it's healthy. Of course, this is why I do the program. I think it's healthy for for anyone, and certainly in the United States, as you have, we have this constitution that represents us and needs to represent us and should should represent us. Um, so that gives us freedom of speech, gives us freedom of press. 
uh, and, and even freedom of, of religion, if you will. But, um, but uh, I, as an American uh, standing with that constitution that we've all inherited from the, uh, from the authors of it, uh, let me insert this. And again, I guess what I was saying was looking at alternative views is healthy. Um, and, uh, you know, theories are theories, but facts are facts. So digging into, digging into facts, of course. Right. So, um, Bill Gates here, and this is, you know, I think this has caught some fire, uh, nationally and that I've seen a number of sources and people, um, commenting regardless. So Bill Gates, of course, according to Forbes is one of the wealthiest men on the planet, um, uh, along with what Carlos Slim out of Mexico that controls a number of uh, Mexican companies, including uh, Telcel, I think it is, uh, or Telmex, or the two, I guess, interchangeable, um, uh, and then Warren Buffett, right, the investment hedge fund. Um, so you're taking, you know, typically one of those guys is usually, and Jeff Bezos, or one of the, so, 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 so the argument here with Bill Gates is a computer engineer, and, and I've even spoke about this previously, uh, and so what is he, you know, what, what is he doing weighing in on a health pandemic? And, 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 and the controversy comes in through here, and I want to get your opinion on this. So the controversy comes in through here in that he, um, uh, he, is, he is, according to the outlets that I've read uh, and heard, is that he is pushing a, um, a for, for those that have contracted the coronavirus um, or been diagnosed with positively with it, uh, should be vaccinated, and it seems that he is saying that they should be monitored and microchipped. Um, and so then that gets supported by ID2020, which is uh, uh, which one of the main, I think that's out of San Francisco, which one of the main investors would be Microsoft. Um, what, is, you know, what, are, what is your view on, on, on that? And I know that's kind of shifting gears away from China um, and the communist regime that, that might be, might have leaked this. That's kind of, uh, we're going away from that and we can get back to that. But what are your thoughts in that regard, JP? Well, let's put it this way. I mean, I don't think you have to even like, you know, point to Edward Snowden pointing out the national security agency monitors all of communication, all of it, Google, Yahoo, Facebook, wherever you communicate on, right? And the whole idea of microchipping, I think, would be a total invasion of privacy. I mean, they monitor us anyway, Ian, but I'm, I'm, I would be totally against that personally. I don't see the value in that. I mean, there are other ways to track people. They, they already do track people, so it's a question of, uh, you know, whether or not the NSA wants to work with health officials in that way or not. I mean, that's a question. Um, I don't really want to have an opinion on that, to be honest, because... <laughs> I want to remain as an academic, yeah. <laughs> although I have brought, you know, and I, and I obviously I brought up the intelligence thing in Wuhan and with the virology lab, but I kind of also wanted to change tack today as well and just talk about the possibility of renewed genocide in the Amazon among Amerindians, yeah, and also the link between poverty and the virus, Ian. But just to go back to what you said in your question to me, posed to me, personally, I'm against that invasiveness of privacy that's total invasion of privacy microchipping people they already track us anyway it just i don't i would have i mean how would that work and you're you're gonna you're gonna target people who have the virus and then where would it stop right yeah i i mean then I, you're gonna just microchip everybody in the u.s i don't know i mean they're already doing it in sweden yeah they already are right yeah i yeah. know that because i saw the i don't know if you saw that Right. Instead right. of using your credit card, you have a microchip to pay for things. You just go in, you swipe your arm. Right. Uh, personally, I don't want to live in that world. Right. But but, but we can also we can also go to this angle, and then of course um, COVID nineteen, then uh, Amer Indians. But we can also go into this, and and this is I think going to address more of uh, the the recent uh, Counterpunch article that you've written in that. Uh, what's happening with these more impoverished societies? But what, what, what we do see, and, and and when 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 this virus viral outbreak uh, it, it happened, you were one of the first people in you know the, 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 my circle, if you will, or the people that I communicate with on a fairly regular basis. You were the first one of the first people to say JP, and you said on this program, you said this, you you said it very quickly. You said the economic impact of this virus is going to 
far outreach, and I don't know these aren't your exact words, but far outreach, uh, I think you alluded to it anyway, far outreach the, uh, the repercussions rather than the health impact. So, uh, you know, and, yeah. and we can get into the Amerindians, but um, sure. what's happening in Brazil, but, but what, what we do see, we, we're just seeing this starting, right? We're just seeing the start of this. We've got a stimulus package. We've got, what, 10, 15 right. million unemployed, uh, or at least those claiming unemployment. The mm -hmm. middle class... Uh, and it was already under attack in big cities like uh -huh. L.A., the middle class is just going to be completely obliterated. I mean, what are we looking at here? And I know well, this you, is... Look, I mean, so I'm going to go back to this again. And what I'd like to do is bring up the economist, Greek economist, Yanis Varoufakis, right? So, so the question is, you know, of whether or not we're going to do some dollar line swaps with central banks. And according to one of Trump's friends who I talked to, I guess at the Fed, the Federal Reserve is already doing that, right? Um, the, I, think, I think it's important to realize that 78% of Americans, according to Forbes magazine, live paycheck to paycheck. And according to the economist Varoufakis, that we've never gotten over the 2008 economic mm. recession in this country. So what the coronavirus did is it pricked a pin in the economic bubble. And the only other comparison that you really can compare this to, Ian, because basically we put the economy in a coma, an economic coma, is the Great Depression, right? So what happened in the first in the Great Depression, 1929, which we really didn't start, we really didn't get out of until World War II. It was really World War II that got us out of it. But Americans were overextended in credit. Um, the uh, Wall Street was going through a huge boom and then had a crash. Um, the economy was over-reliant on only a couple industries. There was a huge gap between rich and poor. This is 1929. And um, at the time, uh, your money was not insured in the banks. It wasn't until Roosevelt that created the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation, the FDIC. So you have this collapse. And so we're, we're maybe months away. And, and actually, the developing world has not caught up. The developing world um, will be much more affected by the coronavirus, COVID-19, than, than elsewhere in, in, in the first world, in Europe, the United States, Canada, Australia. The developing world does not have the money to buy ventilators. The developing world does not have the money um, to get a PPE protective equipment for their hospitals. They don't have the hospital care. They don't have the infrastructure. They, they can't compete with the first world who's outbidding them for ventilators and other things. It's a whole thing. And also, on top of that, you have people in developing countries like indigenous peoples in Brazil, which I wrote about, Amerindians, who are on, who may have a second genocide not seen since 500 years ago when Europeans first introduced influenza and measles and smallpox. Wow. And another thing that I read, Ian, is that because of the coronavirus in the developing world, that vaccinations for measles has stopped. Oh, come That's on. Another, another healthcare issue. Yeah, that is happening in Brazil, in Colombia, in Santo Domingo, in the Democratic Republic of Congo. All those places, the end of stopped vaccination oh, for measles. So we're talking about perhaps another pandemic on top of this. And on top of this, you have the crush of the economic system. And we're, we're too, this is, Okay, I don't know if you've heard this or not, but this is from an epidemiological point of view. Even if, even if, let's say, New York is leveling off or other states are leveling off as far as people with new cases, we're two years down the road with this, and This is a two-year thing because of the, we don't have a vaccine yet. We don't have a vaccination yet. We're developing them, but we don't have a vaccine yet. Until we have a vaccine that's viable, we're not out of this.
And my worry that from an economic point of view and also from um, an epidemiological point of view, my worry is if we open up the economy too soon, let's say, you know, Trump's talked about, you know, May yep. 1st. Yeah. If we could have another surge again, Ian, we could have a resurge that happened in Hong Kong, that happened in Taiwan. Um, it happened in San Francisco in 1918. They had a big party. They would took off their masks. And then they had more deaths than they ever had for the whole Spanish flu, uh, influenza outbreak in 1918, 1917, 1918. Uh, JP, you recently, um, and I want you to just spend a moment, if you would, um, you don't have to reveal the identity. Uh, you, you recently met with a, uh, a Donald Trump uh, insider, I guess is the word I would use. Um, what, right. what did you take away from that? conversation I think the takeaway I mean he's a nice guy I mean uh, I don't think he you know realized any of my politics which is probably more left to center than his are but I mean the the question of was you know will 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 Donald Trump get reelected you know what could what else could Donald do to stimulate the economy and then one of the things that came up was forgiveness is forgiveness of student loans mm-hmm. because if that happened that would be a huge stimulus because young people tend to spend more in the economy and if they're not burdened by the loan then maybe they have a better chance of i don't know buying a house or starting a business and you know it's the next generation that is going to be affected by all this too i mean I have nieces, two nieces that are non-identical twins, and they're seniors in high school this year. They're not even getting a graduation, and Palm Beach County is talking about a virtual graduation. I feel awful for them, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, there's so many things that have been affected. I mean, I think you know one of the commentators, you know, David Brooks from New York Times, has been monitoring, you know, people's mental health because there is going to be a lot of depression and mental health issues because of this. Not, not just because of the disease, but because of the economic repercussions of not having a paycheck. And look at all the gig workers that have been affected by the economy as well, like the people that do that drive Uber or Lyft or, or work in restaurants or, you know, all those businesses. I mean, we are – I mean, we're on really thin ice. Everything is cracking. And – Obviously, the, the president of the United States knows that, um, you know, we're in a, we're on the verge of a Great Depression, right? We're we're on the verge of that. Um, but if you open up the economy too soon, things could get worse because what could happen is that you could have a resurgence of the disease and a resurgence of cases, and then people become more afraid, and then you have another quarantining effect. Right, and then you, yeah. Uh, and so, so what do you do? I mean, so that's that. But I mean, the, the most recent article I wrote on was on poverty and structural violence in relation to the disease. And so, obviously, you know, look at the most vulnerable people in our society. Well, it just so happens that if you look at national statistics, like national labor statistics, that on average, the average African-American family earns $20,000 less than on average the average white American family. Hmm. That the most uninsured group in the United States of America among ethnic groups are Hispanic Americans. And most, most, um, most African-Americans and most um, Hispanic Americans work in job situations that don't even have any sick pay leave. So they have to make choices between uh, taking a sick day or earning an income and and feeding their family and paying the rent. And that's the kind of society we live in, and that's the society we want to live in. And I guess one of the things I brought up in the article was that, you know, LBJ, President Lyndon Baines Johnson, um, back in 1964, had a war on poverty. And 
and you know, a lot of these programs were actually John Kennedy's programs, but he adopted them. And really, was LBJ was the last New Deal president, meaning in the footsteps of Franklin Delano Roosevelt. And so, under the War on Poverty, or the so-called War on Poverty, under Johnson's directive, he had Congress pass the Economic Opportunity Act, 1964, the Food Stamp Act, 1964. Elementary and Secondary Education Act, 1965, the Social Security Act of 1965, which, which initiated Medicaid and Medicare. And you have, you know, you have people like Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. who pushed civil rights. Another influential person was a guy by the name of Michael Harrington. He wrote a, a seminal book called The Other America, Poverty in the United States in 1962. But we really have to rethink what we're doing in this country as far as poverty, because if we're heading toward, we're already in a recession. If we're heading for, toward another depression, the government's going to have to do something. It has to be Keynesian economics, right, of stimulus. And it might have to be something big, like forgiving student loans, which is like, which is in like three trillion dollars, Ian. Wow. The other, the other, the other vulnerable people in society are, of course, the homeless and the prison populations, right? Right. And how do you deal with that? I mean, uh, you know, the prison policy initiative on their website, um, and I'm not saying that people convicted of heinous crime should be released, and I'm not, I'm not you know, crazy sure. about, you know, yeah. but I, what I'm saying is that what I'm saying is that, that we need to do something as far as not burdening our healthcare system with a prison population that are basically living in a, in a Petri dish. Right. Right. So you have 2.3 million incarcerated people in the United States. Um, the most of any developed country and most of any country, uh, any developed country. And, and so the the uh, prison policy initiative said, you know, reduce the numbers in local jails, reduce the number of inmates in federal and state prisons, eliminate face-to-face -face meetings with people in the criminal justice system, make correctional health care more humane, and give families freer access to communication with their uh, with inmates. Um, as far as Homeless people, I mean, some cities are better than others as far as what they're doing. But, I mean, I mean, one of the things is obviously uh, uh, getting, getting food to these people, right? Right. Um, also providing sanitary devices and stations, porta-potties and shower trucks, which could be used just – yeah, yeah. As basic disease prevention, right? I mean, we're talking about any given night, you have 550,000 people who are homeless in America. Ian. Yeah, and, and I, we're at, and we're at at least a 10 We're at at least a 10 percent unemployment rate right now. We, it's going to increase. Um, I know Unilever uh, has been unrolling, and this is they started to do this before the coronavirus. Um, these mobile washing stations for homeless people, because that's kind of where we're at even before right. the coronavirus. Um, as we wind down here uh, JP, and you've got some really great stuff. Um, uh, I've, I've got to close out here. Um, but I, but I want to end for listeners. I want to end on, um, on, 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 uh, the, the note of, uh, that, that really hits on your your the, the Fulbright, which is where you dedicated a lot of your research for many years, from my understanding. Um, this is just really kind of asinine. So 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 to get back in the article, and again, um, please go to jplinstrothcounterpunch.org. Um, Cynthia McKinney actually contributes to Counterpunch. Um, uh, I don't know how often uh, she's a former guest on the program. She was a presidential candidate under the Green Party. Um, out of Georgia, um, and and as you mentioned on the program before, uh, JP Jesse Jackson also contributes. So the listeners understand and um, contributors at Counterpunch. Uh, those are uh, two of the others in, in addition to JP. So um, anyway, so the article here, uh, 
goes into Bolsonaro, and this is kind of this is kind of alarming to me. And this is, I think, how we can end this. Uh, we can end them in many ways. But so Salsa is a Society for Anthropology, Anthropology of Lowland South America. Salsa, um, and it's, it's also therefore deeply concerned about the dangers that the coronavirus COVID nineteen pandemic poses to the indigenous people of Brazil. So, so understand what is happening in Brazil, and then JP, you can kind of uh, 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 talk about this on the tail end here. Um, pick this up here. Bolsonaro declared something really alarming, and this is this is in your article. Quote: Increasingly, the Indian is becoming human, just like us. Just like us. I mean, what kind of person says something like that? I don't know. Yeah. Talk he's about that, educated. JP. He's just totally ignorant. He, it's a totally racist statement to, suggesting that uh, Native peoples aren't, aren't human, that they're animals. It goes back to colonialism, obviously. He's literally he's said this? statement. What's that? I'm sorry, JP. He, he literally said that. He literally said that to a reporter. That was, that was in the Brazilian news. It was a big deal. Brazilian Indians are beside themselves with grief with this president, uh, Jair Bolsonaro. But he's made racist statements against uh, the Brazilian Afro-descendant community. He's made egregious statements against the LBGT community in Brazil. Um, But, you know, and one of the things that the, 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 the worry, Ian, is that before the coronavirus happened or hit Brazil, is that he wanted to open up indigenous lands to um, to mining, to economic development, to more dams, to to really you know economically develop the Amazon, and and he didn't have a problem about indigenous lands and Indian reserves being overrun by miners and loggers and so on. And so what it's caused too is that. You have illegal loggers coming onto indigenous lands. There was just a couple weeks ago another Guajajara Indian who was murdered by illegal loggers, and he was the fifth Guajajara Indian murdered in five, in six months. Um, and the dangerous thing about Bolsonaro is he's totally denied the coronavirus. He's called it a little flu. Uh, uh, a you know a little a small cold, something to get over. People shouldn't be worried. So he's been in he's been in conflict with state governors from the some of the most populous states like the state of Rio de Janeiro and the state of Sao Paulo, and those governors have quarantined their populations and shut the beaches, and Bolsonaro has come against them, and now. Um, sadly, the governor of uh, Rio de Janeiro has contracted the coronavirus. Hmm. The governor of the state of Pará has contracted this coronavirus. At the moment, we know only a few indigenous people have contracted the coronavirus, but the potential for it creating a genocide from this disease is great and even made greater by the irresponsibility of the Brazilian president and the way he's treated the, the pandemic. Wow. Wow. Uh, I mean, if if you look at the basic statistics and the ones that I, and I, and there have, there's at least now at least 16,000 confirmed cases in Brazil, over a thousand deaths in Brazil alone, the largest of any, Latin American country is. This is uh, this is really alarming information here, uh, JP. As we uh, as we wind down uh, again, joining join, I'm joined by JP Lindstroth, uh, uh, Oxford PhD, uh, Fulbright, former Fulbright scholar to Brazil, uh, teaches in South Florida. Um, JP, you talked a little bit a, a little bit about the central banking swaps and, and what's happening in that regard, um, uh, and I'd like to hear your final words and thoughts uh, uh, as we close out. And those can be uh, whatever 
you know, whatever, whatever they are that you'd like listeners to leave away with. But um, before you get to those, before we get to your final thoughts, before we get to what you want listeners uh, to walk away with uh, from this, uh, this episode, uh, is there something to the, uh, this central bank? Have you, have you given that any thought? Um, is there something more you want to add on to where you were going in that regard? Well, I, I'm just going by an economist who I particularly like. His name is Yanis Varoufakis. Um, he's probably left of center, but uh, he's what he's saying is that the Federal Reserve, the Fed, can help stabilize global markets by um, infusing dollars into central banks, right? The European Union bank, the, the bank out of the the EU, uh, the the Central Bank of England, um, other countries around the world, when they're called dollar line swaps, and basically you stabilize money markets that way. As far as I know, that we all we all we are doing that, um, but this is a global crisis. It's not just yeah a crisis. And obviously, we all know this. It's a crisis not in the United States, in Europe, uh, all over the world. But what's the, the devastation in in develop in the developing world in Latin America and Asia um, in the Middle East and Africa is yet to happen Ian we're mm. it's not we're they're they're not going to be out of it like the, the first world and then tra- it's gonna be really interesting what's going to happen as far as restriction of travel to the developing world because I know people in Brazil. I mean, our country is going to be allowing people from the developing world when in, in, the develop, in, the, in, in the developed world, the United States, Canada, Europe, Australia are going to have to help out the, the um, healthcare disparities in the developing world without reinvigorating the virus in the developed world. It's going to have to happen. Um, and so cutting off funding to the WHO, the World Health Organization, is not helpful at all um, because we, re- we really need to think of this as a global pandemic and not at this time with a crisis just happening, you know, halting funding. And, and I think that maybe that'll be rethought hopefully soon. Um, but... Uh, my final thoughts on all of this, Ian, I mean, the final thoughts are that hopefully, hopefully by the fall, um, the will have leveled off as far as new cases. The real question, and it's a gamble about when to reopen the economy. When we do that, we don't, hopefully it won't be done too soon. Um, and it, it's a worry that if you, uh, open up the economy too soon, you have a re-spike in the disease. Of course, when after the disease is kind of leveled out and peaked and you have kind of a a leveling off, um, there will be other cases sporadically in the population, but it won't it won't peak if, if we've given it enough time. The question and I think healthcare experts and epidemiologists because they don't know enough enough about the disease and because we don't have a vaccine yet, it's unclear when to do that. And people like Anthony Fauci, who is an alma mater of the university where I did my undergraduate degree at College of Holy Cross, I mean, I, probably the Trump administration wants him to come up with an earlier date, but he's a epidemiologist and also a, a medical doctor, and he, he knows that you can't put it, too early of a date on this, even though that we need to restart the economy. So my worry, not only for uh, the genocide of, you know, Brazilian Indians in the Americas, the people who are very vulnerable to this, but also to those uncontacted groups in Brazil, there's a, as many as 170 groups of indigenous people living in the Brazilian Amazon and in the Amazon region without any contact with the outside world, 
or other peoples. Uh, they're the most vulnerable. The developing world, and we have to think about this as far as uh, the disease uh, not peaking yet, and you know the the developing world is going to have to come to the aid of these countries. Then the other thing is rethinking our whole healthcare system. And my final thought is that rethinking society as we know it, we things can't be the same when everything gets back. You can't live in a society where you have healthcare disparities. And my my own point of view, my own point of view is that the United States is the only developed country without a national healthcare system needs one. Yeah, we need one. We need a system like Canada or something like that. Yeah. We need a national health care system. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. Unfortunate to see Bernie Sanders and his campaign. Um, yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, J.P. Lindstroth. J.P., uh, keep up the amazing work and uh, look forward to remaining in contact with you and bringing you back on the program. Thank you so much for inviting me again on your show, Ian. I really appreciate it. And it's always great catching up with you and uh, and. And we'll speak uh, after the show, too. Thank you so much. Uh, JP's been coming on the program now uh, from his memory about, well, both of our memory. Right? It's, it's, it's been a couple of years now. I've been very, we've been very fortunate. Discussions of Truth was very fortunate to have JP contribute. And, um, and, and we've stepped up that contribution of, of late because, um, because again, of this uh, global pandemic here. Yes. And it, it latest I'd heard is there is a proposed vaccine that's being worked on coming out of uh, Oxford uh, projected release date, uh, September. Uh, that's the latest that I've heard. Um, regardless, the major issues here, and again, JP's talking about a really disgusting uh, uh, reality happening in Brazil uh, with these indigenous populations, and <clears throat> that quote I hadn't heard of from Bolsonaro—that's just absolutely disgusting to me. Um, you've got to look at a few things. Again, you've got to look at, regardless of the banking scandal or scandals, cartels, angles, whatever it may be, and you, you heard me discuss what I've researched. Um, Cross-check me. Do your own research. Um, research what JP has given you. Um, I have my own view, again, based off of my research of the Federal Reserve in the United States, the central banking organism mechanism that it is. Um, and um, but, but what's important here? What's important are what we are looking at um, in that this virus, this pandemic is likely going to obliterate the American middle class. Um, is that going to force it into adapting more socialistic, communistic policies? Okay, that helps spread um, relief to the majorities and to the masses. Again, I don't know communism that well. I haven't studied it that well. I, I did basic uh, instructory level um, studies in, uh, in schools and whatnot. But um, uh, does that fold into, again, central banking? I always follow the money. I urge you to follow the money, follow the money, follow the money, follow the money, right? Follow the money. Okay, um, so we got to do what you've got to do, but but yes, um, we're looking at a completely, totally different way of life. Likely, how we're living it, whatever that becomes in the short future, is going to become. None of us know six months down the road, but this pandemic, this global pandemic, is going to greatly adjust the way we know life as it is. And what I urge you to do is hold on to those constitutional values in the United States, okay? And always question authority. Always, because you are authority. Any human being that walks this planet is equal. Okay, isn't that the biggest thing Martin Luther King was 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 projecting? Isn't that what's kind of written into the Constitution? And yes, the argument is, oh, that was all written by wealthy landowners, predominantly uh, uh, Caucasian. Well, that might be. But the fact of the matter is, regardless of what kind of walk of life you are, you are a human being. And we are all in this together as human beings. And so we need to be fighting for 
each and every one of us, regardless of our ancestry, ethnical background, politics, religion, or language. That's my end point. Okay? Uh, some of those key cogs in the Constitution, which I don't know that very well, that well, but I do know freedom of press. I do know freedom of priest, uh, speech. I do know freedom of religion. Okay? Um, this has been another discussion of truth. And you've tuned in to uh, Winwood One, Miami Radio. Uh, you can also hear the program every Wednesday at 5 p.m. on discussionsoftruth.com, uh, stopmassmedia.com, iantracier.com. Go to the article tabs at that website, iantracier.com, and please browse the articles that are available. They're all available free PDF format. Uh, some really good stuff up there. And um, uh, finally, uh, the program is available Wednesdays at 5 Uh at Freedom Reserved. Freedom Reserved, No More Lies, the name of the book, coming your way next week by Trying Day Publishers, available for pre-order at Amazon and Barnes & Noble. Until next week, folks, if you do nothing, do at least one thing, and that is be awesome.